Let's turn as uh, Jimmy read from John 14. We're going to be reading from John 19. John 19. And I don't remember <clears throat> ever speaking from this text, which is just, I think it's odd. I think it is. I looked up once, and I think I'd preached one radio message, but that's been many years ago, but I went at it in a different direction I wanted to look at this morning. But let's begin reading in John 19, verse 7, 17. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, in the Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said to the chief priest of the Jews, to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he just said, I'm the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I've written, I've written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from top throughout. It was not a patched up piece of thing. It was not sewn together. It was woven of one piece. And they said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it to whose it shall be, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Now notice this, which saith they parted, my they parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene, when Jesus therefore thought, saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, which is speaking of John, who wrote this gospel, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple John took her into his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that word accomplished, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, he saith, I thirst. Now there was a, said a, ve a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it to, upon his and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore received the vinegar, he said those three words, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath day, for the Sabbath day was a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and break the legs of the first and of the other, which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, 
they break not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came out blood and water. And he that saw it bare record, and his record is true, and he knoweth that he saith true that you might believe. For these, why were these things done? That the scriptures should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again another scripture saith, They shall look on him whom he hath pierced. I'm going to primarily look at that statement there in verse 30, where he said, It is finished. This is the Lord of glory speaking. The last things that he utters before he bows his head and gives up the ghost. He's in, he's in total control of all things. His mind is clear. He knew all the scriptures. He knew the scriptures must be fulfilled. That's why that he said, I thirst. And they gave him vinegar. Can you imagine giving a man vinegar to drink, you imagine how dry that his mouth was. They didn't care. When after he received the vinegar and tasted it, what it was, he said, it is finished. If we could just enter into that statement, it is finished. This is not a despairing cry of a helpless martyr. This is the words of a, a victorious conqueror. Something happened here. Something great, something mighty, something that was predestined before the foundation of the world. Christ is the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. Our Lord is dying. He is destroying him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. No man took his life from him. Nobody. He's in total control of everything. It was predicted, prophesied that he would be numbered with the transgressors. There's one crucified on either side. And why didn't they come to Jesus first when they came to break their legs? They went to this man and then they went to the other. Now they broke their legs to speed up their death. Christ is already dead. And just to make sure he pierces his side and out with came blood and water. That the scriptures might be fulfilled. They shall look upon him whom they have pierced. He said, my father loves me because I laid down my life that I might take it again. No man takes it from me. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. I have power to lay it down. And we'll lay it down as a sacrifice for sin when everything that has been prophesied has been fulfilled. It's all, they're all finished. They spoke of this. They spoke he'd be born of a virgin. It's finished. He would be born in Bethlehem, all those things. He would be the, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But here we see the depths of his humiliation. He that was rich became poor that we might be rich. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, 
even the death of the cross. Why did he come? He came to die. He came to finish a work that the Father gave him to do, and he finished it. That's why he said, it's finished. There's nothing left. It's finished. It pleased the Father to bruise him. Here we see three words, it is finished, but in the Greek it's just one word. Let me give you three examples from the scriptures. In Matthew 1.11, and it came to pass when Jesus had made an end. That's what it means. It is finished. It may He made an end. This is the end of it. He's the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. That's the end of it. The law has done as much as it can. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So he made an end. Luke 2.39, and when they had performed all things, everything that must be done was performed perfectly. Perfectly. Many times he said, mine hour's not yet come. When he said, it is finished, everything was performed. And then, as I pointed out there in verse 28, in this, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now, what? Accomplished. So it means they were made an end, performed all things, and accomplished. Something that he accomplished something. He didn't try to accomplish something. He accomplished something. There on that cross, he satisfied all the wrath and judgment of God. He's just come through that three hours of darkness Bearing the wrath of God, the Father forsaking him. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. The Lord hath laid upon him the, the iniquity of us all. That's what's happened. And when he come through all that, as the victorious king, he said, it is finished. Can you imagine how that went through all eternity? In the depths of hell, they heard it. In all of glory, they heard it. I could see angels there that day. They heard him say, it is finished. It's done. It's accomplished. I've made an end of sin. Put them away. They're gone. That's amazing to think. Your sins are gone. They've been put away. How were they put away? By the sacrifice of himself. A man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. He is shallow that should come. He's the priest after the order of Melchizedek. He's the great prophet that was likened to Moses. He's our great conqueror, Joshua. He's the rightful king, the king of kings. He's the only one that was the prophet, priest, and king. Hezekiah was a king, but he was no priest, and he tried to be a priest, and God smote him with leprosy because this office, only one could fulfill this office, and that's him. It's finished. We don't need the Levitical priesthood anymore. It's satisfied. It's done. The sacrifices, they're done. They're done away with. I've satisfied them. We don't need them anymore. I made an end of it. It's done. All the law. Satisfied. All the pictures, all the types, the lamb slain, that's him. It's done. No more sacrifices, no more masses. Done. Done. 
You imagine that. It wasn't partly done. It's finished. It's finished. He came to satisfy the law and make it honorable. He kept the law perfectly as a man. He never sinned perfectly. Whatever the law required, he fulfilled it. There was a work that was laid upon him as God's righteous servant, and he must finish that work. We labor in vain unless he builds the house. He built the house. It's like when you put the last shingle on the roof and everything's, it's finished. You go, why? Well, it ain't finished. Why well, I say it's finished. No, it, it's finished. It's turnkey. It's yours. It's all paid for. It's all bought. And it's all finished. Man, look at it. Look what he did. Look what he did. He did it by himself. He's great. He's the great bond slave. He accomplished the work. The father gave him a people, and he became surety for those people. How is he going to save them? How can they be forgiven? Those are questions. Somebody's got to finish the work. None of that blood in the Old Testament ever put away, ever put away one sin. How many times did the high priest have to go in with all the, the, the stones upon his chest and the mitre that said holiness to the Lord year after year? But no more. There remains no more sacrifice for sin. This is the sacrifice. He will lose none of his sheep. He performed this work by himself. He said, I must be about my father's business. This work was given unto him. We like to say it like this so we can kindly understand it before the world was made. God gave all the sheep, all the elect of God unto Christ. And Christ took full responsibility to save every one of them. How's he going to save them? He's got to die for them. Somebody's got to pay your sin debt. God just can't look over your sin. God doesn't just forgive sin and say, oh, that's okay. I'll, we'll, we'll worry about that later. Oh, no. You'll see how much God hates sin. He laid upon him. The iniquity of us all. And when he did, the sword of God's justice, he unsheathed it. He said, awake, O sword, and smite the shepherd. And God took that sword of his justice right into his heart. And you know when he did that? He pulled it back and he sheathed it never to bring it out again. It's finished. It is done. Like the song says, the great transaction's done. There's something that happened here. God is doing something for himself. God must do something. He must satisfy his justice before he can ever show you mercy. He could not and would not die until this work was finished. You know, one time they, they came and they wanted to take him by force and make him a king. 
One time they wanted to take him outside of, the, of uh, Nazareth and throw him off a cliff and kill him. They can't touch him. They can't touch him. But when mine hours come, all the disciples forsook him, and he's left alone. But he's not alone. <laughs> he gave himself. He said, here. Pilate, it said that Pilate gave him over to their will. And they did what they willed to do. They didn't accept Jesus as their personal Savior. We took him outside the cross, outside the city and crucified him. This work is perfect. And that means if it's perfect, nothing can be added to it. Let me read you this. In Ecclesiastes 3.14, I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it that men should fear before him. It's perfect. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing taken away. You don't add anything to it. But this is what men think. When Moses and Elijah was there on the mount of transfiguration, it said, when they, they appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. Imagine Peter, James, and John hearing this. It says his decease, his death, that he's going to accomplish at Jerusalem. John 17, 4, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. What did it? What was the work? He came to accomplish redemption. A price has to be paid. What is that price? It's the death of a substitute. What happened in the garden? The death of a substitute. God took an animal, cut his throat, shed blood, made atonement, took the skins of that animal, and made them coats, and gave them a righteousness, which they... War. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. It is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. He came under the maid of a woman made under the law to do what? To redeem them that were under the law. He paid the price. That's part of the work. Sinners can only be saved by one taking their place and bearing their iniquities. That's called substitution. That's called representation. You know who Christ is? When he said it's finished, he's our kinsman redeemer. The three things about a kinsman redeemer, you know that he must be next to kin. He must be near kin. He must be willing, and he must be able he must be able to redeem. He must be willing to redeem. And he must be of near kin. We would turn to Ruth chapter 3. How can Ruth under the law just cannot be Boaz's wife? She has to be redeemed. She has to be bought. 
In Ruth 3, verse 18, Naomi tells Ruth, when she come back from the threshing floor, she said, uh, basically she said, what's your name? Are you Miss Boaz yet? And here's what she said. She tells, Ruth tells Naomi, she said, he promised, he told me not to worry about it, that he was going to take care of it. And he would accomplish it. He said, don't you worry about it. I've got, I've got this. I'm going to take care of this. And here's what Naomi said. Then she said, sit still, my daughter, until you, until you know how the matter will fall. For the man will not be in rest until he has finished the thing this day. She believed him. I'm telling you, that's what our Lord did that day. He finished it. You can sit down. You don't have to worry about it. He's finished it. It's done. The great, the great transaction's done. He will not rest, and he did not rest until he finished the thing this day. I'm not going to put it off. He's going to finish it. Now, verse chapter 4, verse 9. Boaz did as he said, the transaction. He goes to the gate of the city before the elders, and there is one man closer, one person that's closer, more near kin than Boaz. You know who it is? You know who that person is who has to be dealt with? The law. The law. He said, hold such a one. Come here and sit down a minute. He said, Elimelech died and Naomi's come back and somebody is responsible to marry Ruth and raise up the dead. He said, well, I'll buy the property. I'll buy the piece of land. Now, and then he says, Boaz says, now hold on. You're forgetting something. If you buy all the land, you've got to marry Ruth under the law. He's responsible. He said, no, I can't do that. What the law could not do, and it was weak through the flesh, Christ did. <laughs> but he honored the law. He didn't go, he didn't skirt around the law. Boaz knew the law had to be satisfied, and he satisfied it legally in front of all these witnesses. And he said, verse 9 of Ruth 4, and Boaz said unto the elders and to all the people, You are witnesses this day that I've bought all that was eliminated. The whole thing, everything he had. Who bought it? He did. How did he buy it? He's able to buy it. He has the means. The Son of God bought everything that Adam lost. Did you hear me? He bought everything that Adam lost. He bought this earth and everything in it. <coughs> he bought lost men. Now, he didn't redeem them. He didn't pay their sin debt, but he bought the sovereign right over them to do with them as he sees fit. He's Lord. I bought everything that the Limelechs. And all that was Chilean's, one of his sons, and Malian's, and of the hand of the hand of Naomi, moreover the Ruth of the Moabites, the wife of Malian, have I purchased. To be my wife. How's she going to be his wife? 
He's got a buyer. He satisfies the law. He buys everything. You know why he bought everything? Just to get her. You know why he bought everything? Just to get his sheep. And this world only exists for the salvation of his people. But he bought this whole world. He owns it. It is finished. He earned, at that moment, he earned the right to be sovereign Lord over all things. It's committed into his hands. He's rightful king. You say, what right does Boaz have to to make her his wife? I bought her. I redeemed her. Because that's what the law said. You remember Judah? Remember his sons who married Tamar? The Lord killed the first two boys. And Judah said, well, that last son, he said, when, when, when he gets older, when he gets older, I, I'll give him to you. No, he never planned on giving that son. But what it was, that's the picture of the kinsman redeemer. The first brother dies, the next brother marries her. He, God killed him. What about the, Judah said, I ain't giving that boy. But Tamar knew something. She knew something about the birthright. She knew something about the kinsman redeemer. And you know what she did? She goes and she finds out where Judah's going to be and she finds out that Judah won't give that son to her before they could be married. And she plays the harlot. She pretends to be a harlot. And Judah meets her. He doesn't know that that's his daughter-in-law and he goes Goes in to her, and she said, you need to give me a, a token, a trinket, to, to, to sh- before you come in to me. And he pulls off his ring and his signet and gives it to her. And she goes out. And he said, go out there and find that harlot. There ain't no harlot out there. Well, there was one. There ain't no harlot out there. Three months later, they come in and they say, oh, Judah, Tamar's been unfaithful. She's three months pregnant. Oh, we're going to kill her. Under the law, if a woman was caught committing adultery and she winds up pregnant, under the law, she's to die. And Judah calls her in there. Said, you ought to die, you hussy. He says, she said, you see these rings? You see this ring and this trinket? He's the daddy to this baby. What do you think Judah thinks? But what I want you to see... Tamar was willing to play the harlot. You know what she does? She has twins, and one of her twins is in the lineage of Christ. But you see the picture. That was the law. He was responsible to give. But the father, you think about that, is Judah. Judah. And Boaz married Ruth. And he purchased her. Why? Just to have a wife? Oh, no. To raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. Oh, really? Yeah. In Adam, all die. (laughs) Well, how's the name going to be carried on? Through one man, the Lord Jesus Christ, who didn't just marry a bride. He married a bride to have children. And he brings forth his children into the world to the church that he purchased. It's finished.
This is what the law requires. It is finished. Daniel 9, 24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city to finish, tra- to finish the transgressions, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and the prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Someone said, I think it was Arthur Pink, I thought this was a good statement, the cross of Christ is the grave of our sin. They're gone. Gone. No more. You can't find them. Gone. Blotting out, taking it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And God has given us at least four proofs that Christ finished the work which God gave him to do. How do do we know that he finished it? Number one, the rending of the veil of the temple. I can't remember how thick it was, but it was a huge, thick veil. And there was an invisible sign on that veil that said, stay out. You can't come in here. The only one that ever went in behind that veil was the high priest. And he only went in one day a year on the Day of Atonement to make reconciliation for the sins of his people. And he didn't go in there without blood. And it said, stay out. No one could see in there. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was at. And when Jesus died, that veil was rent. Not from the bottom to the top. It was rent from the top to the bottom, showing that God did it. And God opened up the way. You know what? We can now come to God. You know how you come to God in the Old Testament? With a priest who represented you, and we are now made priests unto God. We are kings and priests. And you know what? We come boldly to the throne of grace. How can we come boldly? Because of what he did. There's no veil there. No separation. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And you know what God did when he opened that veil? He exposed that there was nothing back there. The ark's been gone a long time. We know it was taken when Solomon's temple was captured, and we don't know anything else about it after that, but they pretended, you know. Boy, Don tickled me. He was preaching on it one time, and he he said, Can you imagine what can you imagine what them priests thought when that veil rent right in two? He said they were probably sitting back there playing tiddlywinks. <laughs> Oh, we've been exposed. Yeah, he exposed it for what it was. <coughs> it's done. That's what he said. It's finished. We're not trying to be saved by the law. The law's not our rule of life. He satisfied it. How do we know we finished it? Because the veil's rent. And you know, secondly, you know how we know that it God, that it was finished, God raised him from the dead. And he saw no corruption. His body never decayed. Why didn't his body decay? You know why you decay? Sin. You know why your body's getting older? Sin. It's the curse. One day your body's going to give out. Sin. But he's never corrupted because he's without sin. But why did God raise him from the dead? Because God 
accepted his sacrifice as an atonement for sin. And death can't hold him. Death must turn him loose. He was delivered for our offenses, but he was raised again for our justification. Thirdly, we know that he finished the work because the Father exalted him to his own right hand. Do you know that there is a man, a real man, in heaven? And the only reason any other man is going to go to glory or to heaven is because of the man. Where is he sitting? At the right hand of the Father, the place of honor. He hath raised him. Can you imagine when he walks in like a mighty conqueror? He led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto men. And it doesn't say, now I know that he stood up when Stephen was stoned. He stood up to receive his servant, but he sat down. Why did he sit down? Why did Jesus Christ sit down? His work was finished. You can read of all the, the pieces of uh, furniture in the tabernacle. You won't find one seat. Because they never sat down. The work was never done. But he sat down. And you know what? We sat there with him. We were raised together and made to sit together in heavenly places. Then fourthly, when he proved that it is finished, he sent forth to earth the Holy Spirit to apply the virtues and benefits of Christ atoning work. On over on John, he says, if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit won't come. But if I go away, he's coming back. He's coming. It's finished. Do you really believe it's all finished? Jimmy, as you prayed, Lord, help our unbelief. If we really believed it, we wouldn't try so hard to merit it. Only God can enable us to believe him. What is it? To, what is to be? It's to believe him. To believe what? To believe that he did what he said he did. I believe he finished it. I believe that he accomplished it. I believe that whatever I owed, I don't know how much I owed, but I know this, he paid it. And it's paid. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. And we're going to partake of the Lord's table. And he said, you do this in remembrance of me. You set forth my death. You know why? You would think we wouldn't forget, but we do. Oh, the price he paid to have his bride. He paid the dowry. I could see him when he, I could see him. I don't think he sent somebody. I think Boaz goes up to the door and he says, Ruth, everything's paid for. I could see him put her on his arm and said, you're going to be my wife. <laughs> why, why did he choose her? Why did he choose Tamar? Why did he choose people like that to show his mercy and his grace? Do we actually believe that it's all finished or are we still trying to add something of our own to his finished work? 
Would you not like to know that every sin has been atoned for and put away? Then believe on Christ. Don't rest upon your feelings and your experiences, but rest upon his word. Now we said, Ruth, you can sit down. Quit walking the floor. Quit wringing your hands. He said, he, did, he, did Boaz not promise you? Has he not proven his grace to you by now? Did he not prove to you by dropping handfuls on purpose for you? Did he not do all these things for you? Did he not say down there at the mill? Did he not say at the threshing floor that I'll put my skirt over you? I will marry you. Did he not tell you that? Yeah. Well, you'll do what he said. And I'm thankful this morning he has done what he said he would do. He's accomplished it.